Brick Moon Fiction presents We Dance Among the Lights by Jason D. April Narrated by Nicholas Thurkettle Grandma always talked about the fairies, adamant they were a real thing. Not lightning bugs or dusty tricks of the light in the embers of dusk. So Clara believed it too, of course, right up until she hit her teens. There's a magic in believing in the unreal, especially as a child. Grown-ups don't, maybe can't. So they live vicariously through the unstoppable wonder and beliefs of their kids. Make a girl think the beautiful blinking lights over the bog and amidst the trees are something more, something magical, and it creates a certain special magic all its own. Perhaps that's why Grandma kept up the ruse when Clara came back that last time. They miss you, you know, Grandma told her, weakly, laying in her bed. Clara sat by her, holding her frail hand, trying not to cry or notice how tiny she seemed. When you left, some of the magic left too. And now... She trailed off, smiling at her granddaughter, but with a distinct sadness in her face. Her eyes drifted off to the window, and she pointed. We can't stay here much longer, she told Clara. We all know it. Meagers won't admit to it. Says he'll stay here till his death. She smiled again, oddly, then turned back to Clara. He might well be right. She laughed roughly, painfully. I know you don't believe my stories anymore, but they still believe in you. The only other person in the house was Clara's mother, Lou Anne. They didn't speak when Clara finally crept out of her grandmother's room, shutting the door behind her as quietly as she could. Clara, half in a daze, walked through the house and out onto the front porch. Nothing was like it was. As a girl, the island had seemed like a vast, undiscovered country, a place full of mystery and wonder. Now the waters, dark and pungent, were almost lapping up on the yard when it rained. Even in a dry spell, it felt like the place was in flood, being all too rapidly eaten away by the ever-rising waters. It didn't look right anymore. It didn't smell right. It sure as hell didn't feel right. She had to take a boat in from the mainland, because the roads were too unstable, and the closer they got, the more unease she felt. At first, Clara assumed it was just nerves at coming back at all. She hadn't left under the best of terms. Watching the strange blackness lying just under the surface of the water in strange patches, swaying and drifting in a way that seemed counter to the current, Clara decided something else was wrong, too. The magic was gone, replaced by this black, polluted void. Without much noticing, Clara ended up walking down familiar but overgrown paths. She was looking for the stream and the patch of wildflowers just before. Barefoot, her toes met with a cold, spongy wetness well before her memory told her she should. Slowly approaching the once vibrant spot, she was appalled by the deep black and dark putrid brown and green of the sludge taking over. The waterline was past where the old stream's bank should have been, and this dark, nasty foam. She guessed it was some kind of toxic algae. Had moved well past that. Clara remembered the first time she'd come here with her grandma. She was six. As they left the house, her mother had given her a knowing, worried look she hadn't understood. She'd been led by her grandmother, both barefoot, through the trees to a place she'd never been. It was a small brook clear water, rounded river stones down a bank taller than she was. When I was a girl, this was just a nip of a creek, Grandma said. The water's rising, 
has been for longer than you've been. No one wants to hear it, but it's changing. Grandma sighed and looked down the path of the water. You go one way or the other, and the water's not so clear or pure. It's muddied and getting worse. It's been going on a while now. Progress, they say. But at what costs, I say. She stepped closer to the bank and knelt down. Clara copied her movements, looking intently as Grandma pointed to a huge tree root exposed on the other side of the creek. It belonged to a massive oak, the biggest tree Clara had ever seen. She'd seen the top of it from the house, but had never been allowed to explore that far. Come on out now, Grandma said, waving her hand at something Clara couldn't see. Clara watched in confused awe. Holes in the root that she'd barely noticed a moment ago began to glow. Slowly, lights began to dance within. Small flecks of floating light flittered back and forth, as if peeking around the opening of the holes. Then, slowly, they floated out, toward Grandma. Clara watched as the strange, glowing things moved over the water and danced in the air around Grandma's outstretched arms. Grandma laughed and stood up. Clara laughed, too, and Grandma began to dance. It was an awkward, joyous dance, arms waving, slow steps back and forth, and she motioned for Clara to join her. They like it when we dance. It helps them make their music. Clara danced, too, feeling happier than she had in weeks since the big fight between her parents. As she moved, some of the lights moved around her, too, and she felt warm and hopeful. She felt as if she could float like those lights, and maybe she did. The music was unlike anything Clara had ever heard. It was soft and vibrant, a mix of light and sound that seemed to come from all around her and inside her head all at once. It was old, she knew intrinsically, older than Grandma, older than the tree, older than the island. Clara soon found herself moving with the lights, and as they slowed down, so did she. They moved away, slipping back over the water, into the holes in the root, and out of sight. Where'd they go, Grandma? Clara asked, saddened by their departure. Oh, child, Grandma said, rubbing Clara's back gently as she turned away from the creek. They get tired easily among us big folk. The music brings them joy, but like all good things in life, it takes a lot out of them. You're young and full of sugar, but one day you'll understand that all things have a cost. What are they? Grandma laughed as she led Clara back the way they'd came. Fairies, child, magic. But they need help, and I'm getting old, so I need you to help me. Clara had looked up at Grandma in awe, not knowing what to say. Grandma smiled at her fondly. Some day they'll need your help, she looked forward again. Some day, she said again. For the next four years, Clara had returned often. In summer, she'd wake up early and sprint to the tree. On school days, she'd sneak away after supper, sometimes even during the night. Through all the screaming and shouting, violence and broken hearts, they had always been there for her. She could understand their language and their music even better than Grandma, and she spoke to them, told them all the things she couldn't tell anyone else. They'd been her companions on childhood adventures across the island, and they had shown her warmth and love during her darkest hours, when all she could do was try not to hear, rocking in her bed, struggling to be silent. When her father finally left for the last time, 
she felt torn in two directions, relief and loneliness, betrayal and confusion. None of it made sense to her. She'd seen him at his best, when he was kind and loving, and never could comprehend the things that, as an adult, were sadly obvious. For a long time, she'd been convinced he was possessed by some awful thing. The fairies said such evil existed, that even here on their island it was creeping up. He'd been shot dead in a bar one night when Clara had turned eleven. Her mother and grandma awkwardly tried to dance around the details, to put it into gentle terms, and somehow that only made it worse. She could read, after all, and it was all over the paper. It had felt like they were lying to her, as if she couldn't handle the truth, and that made her even angrier about, well, everything. That anger had poisoned everything. The fairies faded away from her, unable to bear it. Even Blue, whom Clara had spent the most time with and had been her near-constant companion during the darkest nights, disappeared. By the time she turned thirteen, they were a distant memory, a coping mechanism from a childish imagination. Grandma stopped talking about them to her, and the next five years couldn't go by fast enough for Clara. Clara remembered it all now. Clarity through age had brought on enough shame and guilt to get her to return, however briefly, home. The anger was gone, but looking at the misery of her once sacred spot, she wanted to cry. The great oak was gone. Rotted from the inside, it had fallen over in a storm years ago, and all that was left was a blackened, decayed trunk. Where there had once been strong roots, there was only fragments of wood amidst the sludge. Where had they gone? Had they even survived at all? She stared at the spot, as if trying to will them to appear until she was shaken from her stupor by something cold and wet lapping over the toes of her bare feet. With a gasp, she looked down and saw movement. The sludge was sliding onto her foot, clearly of its own power. There was no current, no wind, nothing to explain the sick sliding motion of the stuff. She stepped back and kicked her foot up, flinging it off into the muck. Then came a deep, low moan as a mass of the sludge rose up like a giant maw. The sound got much louder, like a cry of anger. It was powerful enough to feel as Clara stumbled backwards and fell to the ground. Tendril strands of the mass reached along the ground toward her. She cried out, shoving herself farther, trying to get up, but the ground was saturated and slippery now. The mass was moving forward, pulling itself with the long fingers it had sent out an eyeless mouth filled with the putrid scent of rot. It looked as if the act of moving was a Herculean task, heaving and gasping. Tendrils slipped around Clara's ankles and tightened. The smell, the absurdity of the thing's existence at all, the soaked and nasty ground, it was all too much. She started to shake her head. No, she kept repeating. No, with her free leg, she kicked at the thing, her foot hitting wet mush sliding into the mass. She barely pulled it free before it sucked her other leg in. She started slamming her fists against the liquid tendril around her ankle. It felt like gelatin, but wouldn't break or rip apart. She began to lose whatever calm she had mustered and just started screaming for help. The mass began to take in both legs, slowly moving over her up to her thighs as she tried to kick and punch and scream. As it hit her waist, she began to black out. A bright light flashed above her and she heard the mass scream and slide back to her legs. Another flash of light, this time longer, and it was off of her. A third burst of white light and it was gone. Back into the muck it had come from. 
Clara lay on the ground, staring up, as she watched tiny lights dance above her head. She was soaking wet, in terrible pain, chilled to the bone and shaking, but she saw them and smiled. Amidst the small cloud of floating wisps, something different appeared, something blue. The small blue light zigzagged down and stopped a few feet above her face. Blue, Clara whispered. Blue. Somewhere in the distance there was shouting, human voices coming closer. Clara watched as Blue moved quickly above her, up and down her body, as if inspecting her. Bobbing above her head once more, it started blinking between softer and brighter shades, and Clara could just barely begin to hear it again. Home, it said. We need a home. And then all the lights faded to black. Clara awoke to the hushed sounds of private conversation. She groaned loudly as she slowly opened her eyes. There was a familiar wood ceiling and she knew she was laying in bed. Her old bed. Clara's whole body hurt, especially where she'd fallen. Her legs ached. It took a supreme act of will to get out of bed. Clara's legs had dark bruises all over them and when she stood it felt like a thousand burning pins stabbing her. Gently and quietly she went down the stairs, following the voices. They led her to Grandma's bedroom, where her mother was in a clearly heated discussion. Both women immediately stopped talking and looked at Clara as she walked in. "'What are you doing out of bed?' her mother yelled. "'I'm fine,' Clara said, waving her off. "'I fell in some muck, some really nasty, awful muck. "'The doctor said it was a wonder you aren't deathly ill. "'Those are chemical burns. Some of them are second degree.' Her mother clearly looked on the verge of tears. Clara eyed Grandma, who smiled warmly but nervously. Clara moved past her mother and sat in the chair by the bed. How are you, Grandma? The old woman laughed weakly. Same as I was, child, she replied. We're just worried about you. Clara held her Grandma's hand and looked up in time to see her mother shake her head in exasperation, mutter something about how bull-headed they all were, and walk out. Grandma watched her go, too, then turned to Clara. You saw it, didn't you? Clara nodded. I... I think so. I don't know what I saw. It was like the filth in the creek just rose up and tried to eat me. But they came. Blue was there. They saved me. I'm sure they did. Grandma nodded, sadly. Yes, they call it the mindless. It's not an animal or a plant or even a spirit. It's just the opposite of them. It's been growing stronger. The more of our fairies it takes, the more powerful it gets. There aren't many left, and now... She looked down and sighed. Blue told me. Clara hesitated. Blue said they need a new home. I could still hear them. Their music, after so long... I'd convinced myself it wasn't real for so long, but I could still hear them. They're hurting. Grandma nodded, gripping Clara's hand tighter. Most of us, we grow up and can't hear their music no more. Your mother thinks it's all part of my delusion, but you were always the special one. You bonded with them so strongly as a girl that they're still part of you so many years later. No one can save them. Except you. Clara shook her head. But how? Grandma laughed again. How's the easy part? You get a jar or something and let him in it. 
Just make sure they got air holes. Nothing worse than dead fairies in a jar. She coughed and closed her eyes for a moment. But now that Mindless has got a taste for you, it'll be coming. They don't care about us, just about consuming. They can't stop it, not now, not just us two. Especially not me. It took its time getting this strong. It's going to take more time to make it go. Time you and the fairies ain't got. If it's unstoppable, then what am I supposed to do with it? Well, child, Grandma said with a spark in her eye, if you're asking me, I find fire and bleach are always useful for getting bad stains out. It was an odd sight, and one her mother didn't approve of. At least this time, Clara was wearing long pants and mud boots. Most disconcerting was the wheelbarrow full of all the bottles of bleach Clara could find, along with gas cans, matches, and a mason jar with holes hastily made by a bottle opener. Lou Ann was used to the impulsiveness of her daughter and her strict loyalty to her grandmother. She knew if it weren't for her own mother, Clara might not have ever returned home, and she knew that, like her grandma, Clara had a connection with the land like no one else. So, she chalked up her courage and marched straight up to her daughter. Ma, Clara started. Her mother raised a hand. I know you don't like me much, and I've got a lot to answer for, she said. But you're still my daughter, and I miss you. I've missed so much of you while this place fell into ruin, while our homes sink into all the shit they've been pumping into the water. Luann looked down for a second, shaking her head. Your grandma thinks I don't believe, because I could never get them to sing to me after. Well, after things from a long time passed. But I still remember summer nights where they lit up the water and I could still dance with them. Clara stared in awe at her mother. Why? she started. Why didn't you ever say anything? Why did you make me feel like there was something wrong with me? Her mother stared at her, trying hard to not let welled-up tears fall. Because I was foolish. I was constantly afraid, and life was awful. I thought... I thought Grandma was feeding you fairy tales for a life that was anything but happy ever after. I'm sorry. Clara was silent for a long moment. Her mind was racing to process too many things at once. It might be dangerous, and it will involve fire. Luann smiled. Girl, I love fire. How do you think that bastard Henshaw's barn got burned down? Clara, shocked again, took a moment to allow herself to laugh. There was trauma here. Trauma that over the years she'd just come to accept covered the island. It had been a long time since she saw anything but pain in this place. Well then, Clara said, you can do the matches. The water level was noticeably lower by the old tree stump. Clara looked up the path of the creek and could see a noticeably darker colored slime trail. Sometimes sections of it moved unnaturally, like a snake twitching. The women followed the creek until they saw it. It was heaving its way clumsily onto the shore toward a sickly-looking oak. This was a much younger tree than the great old oak, but still old enough to be at least twenty feet high. Clara looked at her mother, who was just staring at the lurching mass of dark black and green algae and slime. I'll dump the bleach on the back end and work my way up. Then you dump the gas on it, Clara said. You don't think we'll burn the whole island down, do you? Her mother shrugged. This swamp? Good luck with that, but we should get it before it gets to the oak. 
Clara moved the wheelbarrow closer, then took two gallons of bleach. The thing, whatever it was, reacted instantly to the bleach pouring on its back end. Its front reared up to form a giant angry maw, and it fell over onto its side, trying to crush Clara. She quickly moved back, still splashing it with the bleach. Luann moved around it, pouring a ring of gas around the thing without getting too close. She kept looking up to make sure her daughter was still okay, and when she made a full circle, started splashing gas onto the creature. Then she threw the metal gas can at it. The can hit the side of it, and suddenly another mouth-like rip opened up and swallowed the can whole. Step back, Luann yelled as she lit a match. Way back! Clara nodded and ran back to where she parked the wheelbarrow. Her mother threw the lit match to the ground and jumped back as a circle of fire instantly exploded up in front of her. A second later, the creature itself began to pop and squeal loudly, writhing as flames began to explode out of it. Suddenly there was a loud whooshing sound and the entire creek exploded into a brilliantly yellow and blue line of flame. The creature exploded with a loud crack and bang, pieces of green burnt slime flying everywhere, even onto the two women. As they watched the creek burning brightly and showing no signs of stopping, they flicked the pieces of slime off their clothes and face. Huh, Luann said, staring. I guess all that muck had some pretty bad stuff in it. Clara looked at her mother with eyebrows raised. You think? The heat of the flames made the air shimmer around them and it began to rain. As the shower got heavier and the fire started to die, lights began to appear all around them. Clara and her mother looked up in awe as they saw the tiny lights bobbing and flying around them. Blue hovered in front of Clara. Fire burns it but won't kill it. She could hear Blue telling her in a strange mix of its music and images in her head. Our home is still gone. Clara nodded. I know, she replied aloud, and then turned to the wheelbarrow and grabbed the mason jar. Opening it up, she smiled. I brought you a way out. You can come home with me. It'll be different, but you'll be safer. Clara stayed longer than she meant to, using up all her vacation time and then some. Grandma was so overjoyed to be among her fairies again, as they bobbed and weaved happily around her all through that evening and night. Blue woke Clara up early and she instantly knew what had happened. She called her mother and slowly they walked into Grandma's bedroom to see her lying perfectly still. The fairies were all in a line above her, singing a somber song as Blue quickly darted over to join them. Clara was devastated, but knew that she had given her grandmother the one gift she dearly wanted before she died, to hear their song again and to dance, however frailly, among the lights one last time. The jar sat lidless and empty atop the mantel in Clara's apartment. Clara was walking slowly down the sidewalk to the park. She took a familiar path to the small pond and stopped by a tree. It was another oak this time, not as old or as mighty, but healthy and well cared for. She sat down at the base of the tree and smiled as soft colors flickered above her head in the fading light of dusk. Jason D. April has been writing professionally for over twenty years, mostly in nonfiction. You can find his bylines appearing on such sites as Playboy, Paste Magazine, Motherboard, Upload VR, and others. Occasionally, he even lets bits of fiction escape out into the wild. Jason does not tweet. This has been a production of the Brick Moon Fiction Podcast. If you like what you've heard, please feel free to write us a review on iTunes or visit us at our webpage, brickmoonfiction.com.